A reading from 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known these sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. The second New Testament reading is from Luke, and it happens after the resurrection. If you remember, the disciples were going on the road to Emmaus, and they, they talked about how um, once they realized it was Jesus, their hearts burned within them as Jesus opened the scriptures to them. And then in a room, Jesus appears to them, and he said this, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That is, don't you remember what I had told you all along? That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Let us pray. Oh God, these scriptures are complex. We need your help. We pray that you'll be with us in this time and particularly with these young folks who have just received Bibles. Bless them and open the word to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Did not our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us, the disciples said, did you ever wonder why on that, on that road to Emmaus right after the resurrection and there really wasn't a lot of time and why in the world is Jesus talking about the scriptures? I mean, didn't Jesus know how messy the scriptures are? Didn't he know that those scriptures that, that were written had been had been oral tradition for years and years and finally written down. Didn't he know that, that the world was likely created in more than a week? Didn't he know that, that the Hebrew language didn't even have vowels? And that finally the, the uh, literary uh, transcribers had to add vowel points and, and, and it could be slip or slap? SLP slip or slap or it could be cat or cot and there had to be some there had to be some interpretation there were only consonants in the Hebrew language didn't Jesus know that 
Didn't he know what we know now with all of our advanced understanding and literary criticism, textual criticism, historical criticism, and archaeological criticism of the Bible? Didn't he know that this scripture is limited and human and messy? But he took the time right after the resurrection, after the biggest event in human history to talk about the messy Bible? And, you know, if we're, if we're talking about the Old Testament, fine, but the New Testament, I mean, doesn't God know that, that that's messy too? That the Gospels were probably written decades after Christ and, and that that all those words that were in our Bibles that were in red, you know, Jesus may not have said all of those. Doesn't God know that? Doesn't God know how messy this Bible is that, that Paul might not have written those letters to Timothy, the one that we know we just love the relationship with Paul and Timothy, his little brother in Christ. Doesn't, doesn't God know that that with our vast tools from here 2,000 years later, as we look back and try to figure out what was going on there, that, that we kind of got it figured out and, and that, that in the mess of even the human canonization of the Bible, of picking what scriptures are going to be in and which are going to be out, doesn't God know that this is too messy to hold up as holy or authoritative? Yet, God does hold it up as authoritative. And Jesus does cause our hearts to burn as he opens the scriptures to us. And in the hands of the Holy Spirit, these scriptures are holy and transformative. 500 years ago, God used these messy scriptures to recreate the church, to reform it. Andy talked last week about how this is the, the um, 500th anniversary of, of the birthday of the church, of the, of the um, reformed tradition. And, and we talked about how that all started with Martin Luther. Now he's Lutheran, not Presbyterian. He was, he was a moral theologian in Wittenberg, Germany, and he had a problem with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church actually had 95 problems with the Catholic Church, and he, he listed them out, and he nailed a sheet of paper with those 95 gripes onto the door of the church, the castle church in Wittenberg. And at the top of that list, we talked about last week, was that the church was selling forgiveness, selling indulgences as a building program funding method. Now, Andy, as we enter stewardship, I'm thinking that we should not be selling forgiveness, but um, I don't think we do that by now. <laughs> but you get some money there. <laughs> you get some money. <laughs> Just saying. It, the Catholic cathedrals are quite large. To Luther and the reformers, across the years, the Pope had become the sole authority, elevated. And he was in this position of power, he, the bishops, and the priests, and he had, they had become the pipeline 
between God and the people. The pipeline, the mediator of Christ, the one who you have to go to the priest before you can get to Christ, and, um, and the grace of Christ has to come through the priest, the bishop, the pope. And so they were in this power position. If you're a systems person, they had the PowerPoint right there. And they abused it. And the church didn't look anything like the early church that Paul had described as the body of Christ. It was unrecognizable. You couldn't find Christ in it. And so the reformers looked to scripture as the basis for rebuilding the church. They replaced the authority that was the Pope with the authority that is the scripture. As Andy said last week, it was grace alone that we're saved by, through faith, according to the scriptures alone. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura. Today we're talking about sola scriptura, scriptures alone, and what that meant at that time and what it means today. If it wasn't in the scriptures, it wasn't going to be in the church. That's where the reformers were. And so they looked for a pope in the scriptures. They looked for a mediator for Christ. There wasn't one. And so they, they uh, took all of that out. And rather than, than giving the power to the leaders, they put the power in the hands of the people. The priesthood of all believers, us. I hope you know that you are ministers of grace. Even the government in this reformed church was of the people, by the people, and for the people. Does that sound familiar? The Presbyterian system is the basis for the system of the U.S. government. The power in the grassroots in the church, Andy's not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Sorry, Andy. He knew that. Actually, he knew that from the very beginning. He knew that um, in seminary and, and chose this route, as I did. Christ is the head of the church, and, and in the Presbyterian church, the session, the elders that are nominated and elected by all of the members have the power. It's scripture alone is what they were looking at for the basis of the reforming of this church after all of the corruption in the Catholic Church. And they didn't just give the power within the church to the people, they also gave the authority itself to the people. Because the printing press had just been invented years before, and now they could get the Bible into the hands of the people. And so no longer was, the, was all the power in just a few. It was among all of us. God, the Holy Spirit does a really good job, doesn't he? Because you've got, you've got Luther in Germany, you've got the Gutenberg printing press, that's rather German, and then you've got Calvin and Zwingli in Switzerland right next door. And what, what a great reformation. Now there's a little problem with sola scriptura. 
the scriptures alone. Because basically, if the scriptures are going to be the basis of the, the new church, the sole authority, then kind of the assumption is it's inerrant, infallible, perfect, breathed, the breathed word of God. I don't know if you, some of you who have been members of a Protestant church for 20, over 20 years or so, the vow that we took was, do you believe in the Old and New Testament as the word of God, the infallible rule of faith and practice? Recognize that? That's, that's what we um, vowed that we believed. Now, as you become an uh, elder or deacon in the church, you say, in our church, in Presbyterian church, you say, do you believe in the scriptures as the most um, authoritative testament to who Christ is? You hear the difference? More than getting the scriptures into the hands of the people, there's a, there is an additional problem because with the presumption of infallibility and airtightness, there could be nothing but challenges, right? As with any authority, any authority is going to be challenged. And as our knowledge and technology increase as the information age comes upon us as culture changes the authority of the scripture has been challenged and really attacked and so we're at a new place to say what is the authority of scripture now I have to say that beyond this challenging there is a problem because people can take any one of us could take find a passage in the bible to justify anything we wanted to do Murder, um, rape, pillage, utter destruction of complete peoples, womanization, oppression, slavery, infanticide. You name it, there is justification in here. If you pick this verse out of context and you forget about Jesus. So people abuse this authority and they use it as a weapon pretty sure God is not about that. The problem with authority is if you own understanding of the authority, then you've got the power. And God is not going to stand for that long term. And perhaps that's why God is okay with the messiness of the Bible. It can't be used as a weapon if you really are paying attention. If you come to it in humility, if you wait on the Lord to reveal himself through it, that's the kind of use that Jesus had for the Bible. I mean, their hearts burned within them when he opened the scriptures to them. It's a humble use of the Bible. It's not about power. It's about revelation. Last Wednesday in women's Bible study, our hearts burned within us as Jesus opened the scriptures to us. We were studying the Gospel of John, 
And it was chapter 2, the, the first miracle, the wedding at Cana. And at that wedding feast, they ran out of wine. And we noticed how Jesus pointed the servants to, to six large vats of, that had been used for water, for purification. It was, it was part of the purification ritual of those attending the feast. And he told those servants to fill each one of these to the brim. I don't know if you calculated, that's 180 gallons. 180 gallons, all of a sudden, fill it to the brim of wine, fresh, new wine, exquisite wine. And immediately after that passage, John does a strange thing. He, he goes to the cleansing of the temple. In all the other Gospels, that's way at the end, right before the Passion, right before the crucifixion. And here, it's right here after this first sign, this first miracle. We're trying to figure out what, what John might have been thinking when he put it there in the story. And, and we, we realize that Jesus, the new wine, living wine that is expansive, as we talked about maybe about a month ago up here, expansive wine that, that old wineskins won't hold, that only new, flesh, expandable, flexible wineskins will hold. Jesus, the new wine. Jesus, the cup poured out for us of new wine, not grape juice. New wine that is expansive. Jesus, the wine that filled and overflowed, not just with exquisite wine, but way more than was needed. Jesus, the new wine that purifies better than any purification ritual. Jesus, the new wine that just went to the church, the temple, and cleansed it and purifies the temple and purifies the church and purifies us. Jesus opened our hearts to the scriptures and set them on fire. I'm so glad that on this day that we talk about um, the scriptures, it's the same day that the third graders get their Bibles. I understand that Pope Francis told the Catholic Church that they need to be reading the Bible every day, and right after that there was a run on Bibles at the Catholic bookstores. That's what a system of guilt will get you. I will ask the same thing. I hope you read your Bible daily. I hope you guys read your Bibles, that you wrestle with this messy text, that, that you'll learn with us. Canyon Creek has amazing classes, starting with the youngest, the youth, and the adults, many classes of many different ways to encounter the Bible, men's and women's Bible studies, small groups. I hope you're in the Bible because if we don't open it, Jesus can't open it to us and set us on fire.
Let us pray. Oh God, you breathe through broken words, through a messy text, through a very human and limited testimony to who you are. And yet, by your spirit, there is power, power that transforms, power that heals. Transform.